Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1. And when I first thought of this message, I'm reading 20 verses of scripture, and it's only just suddenly it doesn't feel like a good idea, but it's too late. <laughs> I have to do it. So, <laughs> all right, 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 1 through 20. So, there was a certain man from a place who was a Zufite from the hill country, Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jehoram, and the son of Elihu, the son of all these people. And then in verse 2, he had two wives. Everybody say two wives. That's problem number one. Not a very smart man. One was called Hannah, the other Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, everybody say year after year. This man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion. Everybody say double portion. My wife always asks me, honey, how come you make people repeat? And it's just so you pay attention, right? And it makes me feel like you're listening. So double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Anybody ever have anybody in your life like that? Only like five people. I'm obviously, I've come to the wrong place. How many have had people like that in your life? Okay, thank you. And then this went on year after year. Everybody say year after year. Year after year. year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, if you only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. 
Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And she said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and worshiped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah lay with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, everybody say in the course of time. Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Let's pray. Father, anoint your word with great power. Give me liberty to preach and declare what you have said to me to do today. In Jesus' name, amen. And in this verse of scripture, there, what I'm going to talk on is the five tests in the process of time. So it says in this NIV that I'm reading that it is in the, in the course of time. It's also in another translation called in the process of time. And those five tests in the process of time is the test of bitterness, the test of surrender, the test of offense, the test of faith, and the test of obedience. And so those five tests will be testing you in the process of time. And so, you know, as I said, Elkanah has two wives, bad idea, because every woman knows why, right? It's like, over my dead body. No, I mean her dead body. It's like, and, and Hannah, the lovely Hannah means grace and favor. I don't know if Hannah Banana is watching, but we just love Hannah Bracken. She might be, and I have my snazzy white shoes on. And, and so Elkanah loves his wife and gives double portions to her because of the fact that she cannot have kids. And this other lady, this other wife, has like all the kids you want. Right, which just makes it way worse for her. You know, it's like in Alaska, you know, your neighbor has like five trucks and you're driving a Hyundai Elantra. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? You know? And so he, he has to console his wife, so he's giving her double portions. And a double portion means enough for two people or enough to provide for your family. And so, you know, he might have done it just to honor her and the fact that she didn't have children and wanted them. You know, there is a verse of scripture in 1 Timothy 5.17 that talks about double honor, what it is to give a double portion or double honor. And the elders who direct the affairs of the church well, how many love your pastors? They, they direct the affairs of the church well. They are worthy of double honor, especially those who work in preaching and teaching. So double honor also means double compensation. I have to work with Dr. Morocco on that one, praying some more double portion compensation. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> you know, but, but that's what it says. And, and so it's interesting for Hannah because the Bible says here that it was the Lord who closed her womb. So I don't know if you've ever had a problem with the Lord. I have had a few in my 30 years of walking with him because he and I don't always agree because 
I think that I'm right and I know he's right and I'm, and so there's a problem, right? Uh, because sometimes you just cannot figure out why God does what he does. You know, I don't, I don't understand it. His ways are not my ways. It's like, I'm glad he put that in there, but it's like, duh, you know, <laughs> do y'all know that scripture? You know, like, of course your ways are not mine. You're like holy and perfect and whatever. And, and so the Lord closed her womb, which then further irritated and provoked her with penanah. And it was the Lord who did that. How many of you find that fascinating? Because that test for her is the thing that brought her to who she needed to be to produce the miracle that she needed to produce, perhaps the greatest prophet and high priest in all of Israel. Like the more God wants to bless you, the more testing comes your way. You know, it, it, isn't, it isn't that you, can, you just get like a, and you're like the most holy person in the world. You know, it doesn't work like that in the kingdom of heaven. You have to work and earn it and pray and fast and believe. And you know what I'm talking about? Walk through stuff and face stuff and overcome stuff and, you know, fight devils and, Y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, you're in the midst of it right now, right? It's like in the midst of it. So there are like mysteries in God, certain unanswerable questions. I just don't understand. And, um, but I know God is perfect in everything he does. One of my favorite scriptures is Psalm 119, verse 68. says, God is good and what he does is always good. And it's one of my core beliefs as, as a believer since I've been walking with the Lord, is that God's good and everything he does is always good. And if, I, and if I remember that principle, right, then I know everything turns out for my good no matter what. You just can't lose. Amen? And so even though her rival is provoking her severely, 1 Peter 5.8 says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You know, in Revelations 12, 10, it says, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. How sad that she was being provoked in her, whole ho- in her own household. Like that, that is one of the sickest jokes of Satan that you would suffer in your own home that is supposed to be your safe haven. Right Or at work where you have to go to make a living and your boss is a horrible Satan unbeliever. Right? Just wants to provoke you and irritate you, call you names, right? And you got to show up, smile on your face. Oh, praise God. You know, 8 a.m. every morning. Oh, the Lord is my strength. Look what the Lord has done. You know, getting your happy dance on in the parking lot and then come in and face the devil (laughs) for eight hours, five days a week. Look out, Jesus, deliver me. God, deliver me, please. You know? And he's like, no, sorry. 
It's just a test. Let's see how you do. It's only a test. So when we accuse, judge, or provoke one another, we're actually agreeing with the kingdom of darkness and the creator of accusation. He is not a creator. He can't create. He's a counterfeiter, pardon me. The counterfeiter of accusation. And, um, and it's horrible because in church, we, we think we can leave our armor in the car Right, leave your armor in the car, show up, we're among friends and family, right? So sorry to inform you. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> That's why many people are in church, right? Are y'all okay? I would just keep going even if you weren't. So it's like, it's not, not, it's not mandatory that you agree with me. So, you know, Satan, all he does is provoke and mock and taunt and try to torment us. That's what he tries to do. You know, and he'll use tactics. He's, he, he doesn't have new ones, really. They're all the same ones, right? What I have found, if you keep failing the test, he'll keep using the test, Right, because you just keep failing it. You're like, Lord, why haven't you? And you're like, well, you know, we just keep failing. So Penina, her name means coral cutting or tormenting. So grateful to have the Kayas here. He was my area coordinator when I was a cell group leader in Maui, Hawaii, in my early years of Christianity. And praise God for your patience, really, and Sister Betty. And uh, I told a story here. He saved my life one day. I was sending a letter to my ex-girlfriend to invite her to come to Maui so I could witness to her. Again, it was my early, early years of my being a Christian. And, uh, and I was sitting there, wrote the whole letter with the invitation, telling her I'm playing for playing tickets. I'm, and I'm sitting in Kuau in Maui, Hawaii, on my couch. And Adrian, Kaya, Minister Adrian, calls me on the phone and says, Hey, what are you doing? Uh, nothing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and in his great wisdom, he goes, it must be something, because the Lord told me to call you. Ah. Ah. So it was like two hours later, he had to talk me off the ledge, and I tore up the letter, and praise God for that. Amen. I don't know if you ever had one of those close calls of departing on a road that was less traveled that you were not supposed to be on. And so, thank you for that. So, coral, the reason I say that is Maui has lots of coral and it hurts when you get cut by it. So, Satan's goal is to get you to despair, to wallow. Anybody ever wallow? You know, sometimes it feels good to wallow. You know, you have a pity party and like people show up, you know, to pity with you and, you know, get you to despair. And you're just like, "Ah, ah," you know, feel like a little two-year-old, you know, toys are us, didn't get a toy. 
So the first test, I said there's five tests. Everybody say five tests. Five tests. The first test is a test of bitterness because of the length of time. It says it was year after year, and you could say after year after year after year after year. And that amount of time, year after year, caused a bitterness in her. It was a bitterness of soul. Bitterness in this verse of scripture is angry. It is a petty bitterness because you're discontented with God and his choices toward your life because he's not working fast enough or doing it well enough or what you need him to do. It means to be discontented. And, you know, discontentment actually causes like a depression which changes your psychological makeup. It actually can change your DNA when you're depressed. It's, it's really a tactic of the enemy. So anyway, I just, don't, I just don't let him do it. So we have to refuse to get bitter. Don't allow delays to cause you to lose hope and faith. One of my first tests that I had to endure, I'd been working in children's ministry, and we had been working for a year and, um, and it, again, it was before we did FBI background checks. So that's why nobody checked to find out about my criminal history, thank God. Sorry. <laughs> Should I have not have said that? It didn't, it didn't include children. It was all drug-related, so I should clarify that. And, um, and so I was working. That, that makes it so much better. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for helping. He's trying to help me out of my problem and uh and I'd been been working with kids uh, 25 kids for a year working on a mission trip to Kenya we had gotten all our shots like malaria typhoid every shot they're really expensive they're super painful you have to go constantly we're doing fundraisers car washes selling Candy, we're like working for a whole year with all these little kids, getting ready to go to do a children's orphanage in Kenya. And we're getting right before we're getting to read all the meetings with all the parents, all the little kids doing all the dance rehearsals with all these little kids, you know, little skits. And I even was like doing puppets. And, um, and, and Dr. Morocco calls me and says, our youth pastor no longer works here, and I would like to give you a full-time job as a youth pastor. And that was what I'd been praying for, for, for six years. And I said, that'd be great. I'm happy to do that. Thank you so much. What a privilege. And I'll do it as soon as I get back from Kenya. He says, no. You have to start now. I'm like, well, what happens with my mission trip? In my whole year, there's no typhoid and malaria in Maui. What am I, $1,000 worth of stupid shots. And little kids like forever. I said, well, you know, be led by the Lord. You are not helping. And I had to make a choice. 
I did. And you know what I chose? I chose to give up my little Africa trip. We lost our deposit. It cost me like $3,000 plus the thousand of the shots. But that decision showed I was willing to do whatever. You need, you need my help, okay, I'll, I'll help you. You know, I had one idea, I had one plan, and God just turned it right there. Will you obey me in that? And I, and I did, I said yes, because it was, it was the answer to the prayer I had been praying for six years. It didn't happen how I wanted it to happen. Right, you all know what I'm talking about? But, but I said yes, and I'm so grateful we grew our youth group to 500 kids, and it was amazing. We had 52 cell groups and just the move of God. We had, we had just the fire of heaven visiting us, and it was one of the greatest ministries ever that I had. And it, it says in Galatians 6, 9 in the King James that we're not to grow weary. Let us not be weary in doing well, for in due season we shall reap if we do not faint. So we can't get bitter in the process of time because how long something takes or how God seemingly answers the prayer and it's not the way you thought he should answer. Amen? And I, and I know that, that, so we just have to refuse to participate with the enemy to get bitter. Amen? She made a vow to the Lord. She made a decision to consecrate her very desire of her heart and getting tormented all the time that I'm just going to follow the Lord no matter what. I'm not going to let bitterness steal my joy. I'm not. I'm not letting bitterness steal my joy. Not letting offense steal my joy. Amen? So the second test is the test of surrender. I wish we had notes. I'm just not that organized. So you just have to remember these points. Anybody remember the first point? Oh, you see, you're very good. Test of surrender. We have to surrender when it comes to sacrifice. Later on now, I'm like this superstar youth pastor, you know, doing big conferences. Our youth group's growing. It's like, ah! And I'd been working with a team because we were going to go to the Dream Center in L.A. with uh, Luke Barnett. No, he's the one in Phoenix. Matthew Barnett. Pastor Matthew, and I love the Dream Center in L.A. It's where I, I grew up in L.A. So we had 25 kids, worked again for a year, ironically how that happens, worked for a year, hula teams, dance teams, skits, we had raised money, car washes, meetings with parents, meetings with kids. We we're like raising all this money, raising, 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 working for a whole year. And we're, we're like two weeks away from going. And I'm um, sitting in a meeting, and Pastor Ann Fujii, our senior associate pastor, is going to do the grand opening in Japan. And Dr. Morocco is getting a little, you know, snippet of where are we at, what are we doing, what are, you know, what are you going to do for a pomp and circumstance, because we're opening this great church in Japan. And she says, well, I have a hula team of three people. And we're going to go and do hulas. It was Suzanne Footit and a couple other people I can't remember. And uh, Dr. Morocco says, we can't make that the opening of our Japan church. Like, we're kings global. That cannot be our impact, three people doing a hula. Right? So, what are we going to do about that? And he looks at me and he goes, don't, don't you have a mission team? 
Yes, don't you, didn't you raise all your money and you have hula people and you have all this stuff? No, no. Having flashbacks of malaria and typhoid shots was like six years later. I'm like, Pastor, man, I've worked so hard. I'm no, I'm not doing it. I said no. I don't know if you've ever told Dr. Morocco no. It is very similar to trying to tell the Holy Spirit no. It's very, very similar in the fact that you never win. So, but I didn't learn my lesson for an hour. I have this huge fight in his office because I don't want to surrender. I don't want to do it. I worked so hard, like I'm not doing it. I go, you know what? Three people isn't that bad, Pastor. And they're Japanese. They're like, they won't even notice. You know, bring an extra gourd or something, you know? You know, do the little thingies that you whack on your shoulder, you know. Maybe a tambourine or something, you know. and blow a shofar that'll that'll be great but I had a choice to make and then everybody's like throwing scriptures you know give and it will be given to you you know there are moments to share scriptures with people (laughs) and there are moments just to shut up Please, I do not need a scripture right now. I'm having a nervous breakdown. (sighs) But I surrendered. Gave my people and I didn't get to go. It's very sad. And then pastor says, can you get a van and drive them to the airport? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, at this point, it's like, whatever you need, you know. Uh, you know, so Abraham, Isaac knew a little bit about sacrificing. Amen. Have to give your firstborn kid. It's a little emulation. He was emulating God, having to get us his kid, which I still don't understand, but I'm so grateful for. We have to consecrate and surrender to the Lord in the process of time. Waiting on the Lord is not easy. You know, be still and know that I am God. Not my favorite scripture. Patience, not my favorite virtue. Amen. It's not. Just trying to confess to you. You know, Abraham and Ishmael, little problem right there. You know, in the process of time, he he did the work for the Lord. And I'm so sorry. That's why we have this republics of Islam is Ishmael surrounding Israel, the promise. 
Like what a big problem that's become. Amen. At first he was this tiny little runt. Then you know they got kicked out of the camp. But Ishmael has grown up. When you try to fulfill your promise in your own way, that thing will one day grow up. I could. That that was good. (laughs) But I have to move on. The test of offense. So if we don't pass this test, God always allows retesting. So, you know, my dear friend, I am convinced, has never thought to himself in a moment of planning a sermon, I'm going to make this sermon just for you, right? He's not sitting in his little camper praying to God for a word for you, right? Or you, or you. He's not sitting there thinking to himself, I'm going to come just for you. Wait till she hears this word, right? And I don't know why it is in our head we're thinking, he's talking to me. You know, (laughs) who told him? (laughs) Right? And that's just the enemy lying to you to get you offended. It absolutely is. He is just trying to offend you. Just trying to pick on you, poke you, poke you. Yeah, he's talking about you. Just irritate you, being like penana, just poking you, irritating you. What, what, isn't this terrible? Thank you for letting me poke. He's a much bigger man than I am, probably has a Glock. So thank you for... <laughs> come over here. He's not coming to church to try to offend you. He's not. I can promise you that. And if you get offended, maybe you're just offendable. And you should check yourself. (laughs) Bishop Hooks, Karen, check yourself. That's that's not how he does. I'm so sorry. That was a terrible impersonation. So God allows retesting. You know, they did a study of pastors. 97% of all pastors have been betrayed by people in ministry or someone close to them. And here's the problem. I'm one person. I am a pastor. I'm one person. You're like 250 people. You have one reason to be offended. I have 250 reasons. And you're going to be offended? I mean, that ratio ain't right. You know what I'm saying? And you have to be careful because she could have easily got offended at Eli calling her a drunk, right? And we can get offended at spiritual leaders. The priests think she's drunk. She could have easily gotten offended, left the tabernacle, upset and offended. I'm calling Dr. Morocco. You, you don't appreciate the gift that I am. Me and my flag and tambourine ministry! Yeah! As the voice of the Lord, I'm screaming the joy. 
right? We're like, mm, no, not so much. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, Wanda like, Pastor Toby, I'm like, the Lord's anointed me in my voice. <laughs> right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. I like, Pastor Chris fired me from the choir. It was so bad. He really did. He was very nice, and he's very pastoral. So I started on the bottom row, and he, I was singing Hallelujah in the Christmas production in the Christmas tree, and he just moved me further and further and further and further until I'm on the top row below now Pastor Tanya Bacos, who was the beautiful angel, and I'd be singing, and the mics were like 90 feet away. <laughs> And after that production, he comes up to me and says, you know, Brother Gannon, um, I believe Pastor Brian needs help in the children's ministry. And we would really like you to serve there. So I say he fired me because he said, seek ministry elsewhere. He denies it to this day. So, she would have missed her miracle if she was offended. Eli falsely accused her because she wasn't drunk, slanders her. And as leaders, you know, we sometimes make mistakes. I've shared some of my mistakes here publicly with you. Uh, You know, some are like epic and how God didn't fire me. You know, he just can't. He doesn't fire us. He could have fired us in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, he chose to live inside of me. It says in the Proverbs that he cannot disown me because he cannot disown himself. So back when he lived in the box, he thought, I don't want to go to church with you people anymore. So he came up with this genius idea, I'm just going to live inside of you so I can't leave you because I can't leave me. I mean, it's genius. And now I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm the Ark of the Covenant. I'm the box he lives in. Amen. In the New Testament, he can't leave me. I'm so grateful, right? Are you just wake up every morning like, so glad God's God, because I don't think I would have chosen me. I mean, I talked, I tried to talk him out of it. I thought it was such a bad idea. So in Psalm 27.5, it says, for in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shadow of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. And it's such a great word that God hides you, loves you, will protect you from from offense. Test number four is the faith test. We have to stand and believe at some point. Verse 17, in the place of believing, she entered into a place of rest, went and ate. God, because she felt like the Lord had spoken to her. I have that word now, and I'm going to go and live it out in faith. How many of you have ever done anything by faith? I love the gift of faith. I love faith. It's one of the greatest things. I love it more than anything. I go exercise my faith just because. Like I go take it out on a test drive. You know what I'm talking about? Do you, only, you do that? Like I do. I just go, how, how much faith could I have? How much faith could I exercise? Right? And it's such a great thing. So we have a faith test that we have to overcome believing, you know, by believing it changed everything for her. She ate, her face was no longer downcast. So the, the key to change sometimes is just changing your countenance, right? Refuse to be sad, refuse to be an Eeyore, 
right? Refuse to just be a mopey little, the sky is falling, you know, chicken little, right? Just cast out that spirit of chicken little. You know, the sky is not falling. God ain't ending the world till he's ready to end the world. And I don't know when that is. I mean, he hasn't told me. That'd be a, I could tell you that today if he told me, but he hadn't. So, you know, Perry Stone will be back at some point. But <clears throat> he has a little more revelation than I do. Uh, so I don't know when the end of time is, but I'm going to enjoy myself while I'm here. Right? And I'm going to labor till he comes. So then my final point, so I'm not going to ask you to repeat them because it's been a long day. But the last point is the test of obedience. And this is the one where after you passed all of those four other tests, you have to obey. And obedience is actually better than sacrifice, as it says later on in these Samuel books. So she had to fulfill her vow Because in the process of time, we read that little thing in verse 20, in the course of time, in the process of time, she conceived, we don't know how long that took, right? The Lord remember her and then reopened or opened her womb, right? He had closed it, he opened it and and she gets pregnant and then she had to go fulfill her vow. Samuel would never have remembered. Right, the only people who knew that what happened that day was Hannah and God. But she fulfilled her vow, brought Samuel to Eli, and, uh, and she could have been offended at that point in Eli's life. Hophni and Phinehas were like terrible people, stealing offerings. You know, she could have easily said, you know, I'm not going to tithe to that church. Right? I, I am not giving my money over there. Right? Uh, those people over there. And just kept my thing. You, did you send him up here? You did? <laughs> All right. Ooh, that was very sly. It's very sly. It's very subtle and very sly. That means, doctor, you are out of time. So please put your tray tables to the locked and upright position. Turn off all electronic devices and prepare for landing. So the test of obedience, and then look, my 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 mic went up. So many times you'll have to face your offense, the thing that offended you, so that you can know that you're no longer offended by that thing. Like, how do you test out your healing? If you know you're healed, you go do the thing you couldn't do. And there are many times in life where God will put you back in a situation to show you what he did. Otherwise, you wouldn't appreciate it as much as you would. Amen. So she brings it back. She could have not done it in obedience. And then God abundantly blesses her in 1 Samuel 2.21. She has three more sons, two daughters. God blesses her socks off. She continues to get double portions. And then Eli, the high priest in 1 Samuel 2, 33, is cursed by God, dies. His kids all die. And it's a horrible epitaph to a man who was at one moment a great high priest because she obeyed and overcame those five tests. 
Amen. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.